Welcome to the Kingdom Revival Culture Podcast, keeping you in touch with Faith Mountain Fellowship Church in Red River, New Mexico. You know, the love that Jesus Christ calls his body to is an amazing, everlasting, unconditional love. And this podcast is just one of the ways that you and I can build each other up in that love. So to start, just enjoy this message, and then please contact us with prayer requests, feedback, or anything else you'd like to discuss at fmfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone interested in helping create a kingdom revival culture. How many of you really, really want a special touch today? How many of you are in a position where you really need a special touch today? Some, you know, and there's some of you are. Some of us are in great seasons. Some of us are in, in difficult seasons. But uh, I really believe uh, that God wants to do something really special today. Amen. I think he wants to release some things today. And, and I'm going to get into this message here in a minute. Uh, last week, Micah preached a sermon. Uh, if you weren't here, Micah's 17 years old, first sermon he's ever preached. It was incredible. Uh, he did a great job. But probably what he didn't know was he was preaching a sermon that was foundational for, I believe, we're supposed to be as a church this year. Uh, and what he talked about was returning to your first love and, that, and staying plugged into that, that love of Christ. In fact, he talked about it... It was almost a prophetic word that he didn't even know he was speaking, but so many times we begin to minister as Christians out of uh, a skewed, we're trying to minister to show our love to God, but really what we do is we, we draw, draw near to God and we allow Him to hold us and we, we get that personal relationship. We were, we were reading about or singing about it today, Jay was talking about it, and out of that relationship, out of that first love flows ministry. And that's the reason we do ministry is because God loves us and we love Him and we love people. And it flows out of that. And so the foundation that we're going to be talking about, I believe this year, is returning and, and staying. I love what Jay was talking about, being fettered close to God. I'm like you, Jay, I don't need a big rope, okay, because I'm just going to get myself in trouble. You know, so, Lord, fetter us close to you, please. All right, so I'm going to be doing something a little different um, over the next few weeks. I believe the Lord has, has told me and called me to just start reading some scripture out of you, over you at the start of the message. And every time that I read a promise that you believe you need in your life right now, you need to agree with that. By just saying amen or saying yes, I agree. You don't have to yell it. You can if you want. But there's something in, in power in, in speaking that. When, when you agree with that word, it opens that word into your heart. And so I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to start out in 1 John 1. Um, and this is just one of, the, one of the apostles, John. And he starts this chapter. Listen to what he says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Who is the word of life? Jesus. John is declaring as one of the original apostles, he's saying, we've seen him, we've touched him, we lived with him. The things that I'm going to testify about, I saw them personally. You can't argue with me about this. 
okay? <laughs> Nobody can argue with your testimony, can they? Okay? Because it's your testimony. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim that you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your, our joy complete. So in other words, John is saying what we're doing is we are sharing this gospel. We're sharing this, this testimony that we have so that when you accept that, we have, Miss Betty used to call fellowship, two fellows in a ship, okay, where we're in unity. And, and the body of Christ needs to be unified right now more than anything else. And the thing that unifies us is the name of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that we have to agree on, that Jesus is the Lord. He's our King, and that's the one way to God, right? That's the main thing that we have to agree upon. And so, John, that's how he starts that out. So, that was in the New Testament. I want to take you over to Psalm 27 now, and I want to read some Scripture over you. These are some promises that David is seeing, remember that I just read from the New Testament, this is a perspective of Christ after he's come, after he's died, and, and they're, they're declaring and proclaiming what they saw Jesus do here on earth and what he accomplished. David is proclaiming what he sees in the spirit, okay, and he is seeing what's coming down the road, but he's going he's gonna to name some incredible promises, and I believe today that if that's a promise that applies, Agree with that. Believe that this word is coming into your life and it's a promise for you as much as it was for David. Amen? Yeah. All right. So you guys ready? Seeming kind of quiet here. This is good news. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So there's a promise right there. How many of us deal with fear? All of us, right? We deal with it. But God says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, okay, of power and of love and a sound mind. And so the Lord is our salvation. He's our light. He's our stronghold. It goes right back to Micah's message. That is the foundation is that we are, our first love is Jesus Christ over any and everything else. And David understood that. Verse 2, he says, when the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Okay, and so what is the army? What, are the, what is the war that you may be facing right now? Some of you nothing. Some of you great trials and tribulations. But this word is for us. And we need to be storing this word up in our hearts so that if you're not in a, in a tough season, when one comes, you've got that in your storehouse. You've got that in there, and it's a truth that you've already accepted. David goes on, he says, The one thing that I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. Now, as many of you know, Ed Yeager um, has been struggling, and we kind of expect he's getting ready to go home, or we've been expecting that. Um, he asked that this would be the scripture that he was read at his service. 
But, you know, we're going to start praying for Ed Yeager. I think maybe we've laid down and kind of let something happen that I don't know that God really wants. And so we're going to, we're going to be doing some praying later. But the one thing David's saying is the one thing I want is I want to, I want to dwell. That means I'm going to reside. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. In other words, all these distractions, all these things that are coming against David, that are coming against us, does not have to define where we dwell. Okay, we dwell in his, in his house, okay, and we dwell in his shelter. Remember, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, which I'm, I'm good at doing. To gaze on the beauty of the Lord. If you're gazing on the beauty of the Lord in his temple, where is your focus? It's not on the problems. It's not on the circumstances. It's on the solution, which is Jesus. And we got to keep our eyes on the solution. We got to keep our eyes on the answer. Ms. Betty used to teach us: bring these these situations, bring life into focus with God. Don't look away to the circumstances. Okay, it's a promise. For in the day of trouble, notice he says it's coming. It's not like we're not going to have a day of trouble. He says, in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me, on high, uh, set me high upon a rock. I want to turn over real quick to Psalm 91, just real quick. Let me just, let me just read this over you. It's, it's such a special verse for me. Verse 1 of Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And David is referring to this psalm. I don't know which one he wrote first, but it doesn't matter. He's, it's the same, the same principle is that he's going to keep his eyes upon the Lord. He is our shelter, okay? And we can trust him. We can trust him regardless of what's going on in our lives. Verse 6, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. I want you to step back for just a second and... and Identify what do you think are the enemies that are around you in your life right now? It, it may be different things, maybe finances, maybe health, maybe uh, loved ones or family or whatever it is, but it doesn't matter what it is because God it will exalt you above that because He loves you. Yeah. Because you li- He lives inside of you. We are His children. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so remember if you want this scripture, if you want that promise, just like I said, you just say it to yourself, but say it out loud. That I agree, amen, something like that. My head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. In other words, we don't have to let our circumstances define our joy. Verse 7, hear my voice when I call, Lord, be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says, listen to me, he says, my heart says of me, seek his face. And God has given us, if we're in Christ Jesus, we have a new heart, right? It's His heart. We have His mind. And so when these things come into our lives, we're to seek His face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Who is the helper? It's the Holy Spirit, right, that lives within us. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. And then he says something interesting. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. In other words, the most intimate of relationships here on this earth, we, could have, we can be forsaken. People will let you down, won't they? They have before, they will again. 
But the one person we can trust is Christ Jesus in our lives. He will never let you down. Verse 11, teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. <laughs> How many of you have been there before, right? It's the enemy's life. He's called the accuser of the brethren. What's he do? He spends his life accusing you. He's always telling you, you'll never succeed. You'll never be healed. You'll never be successful. That's not what God's Word says. We got to learn to agree with His Word. We got to learn to understand who His voice, what His voice is saying, and what the enemy's voice is saying, and say, "I'm going to agree with you, God. I'm not going to receive that that word from the enemy." Then, verse thirteen. This is kind of where I wanted to get this morning. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You know, the land of the living, he's talking about now. See, we can see the goodness of the Lord now, regardless of what's happening. He says, yeah, you may have to wait on the Lord. We may have to wait for his answer. We may have to wait for him to bring things into alignment. But he promises what? I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. His promises are that I'll take everything in your life and I'll turn it from bad to good. I'll take everything that we are his inheritance. We are his glory. Romans 8. You need to be encouraged. Read Romans 8, especially from 28 on. So, I've read a bunch of scripture over you that are promises of, of, of God for us. But I want to talk to you about something that um, I believe the Lord has been telling me is coming. Um, I believe there's a famine coming. And I'm not talking about the weather. Okay? I believe sometimes God will show us things in the natural to show us something that's coming in the spiritual realm. This famine is not a famine um, like anything I believe we've seen before. In fact, Pastor Wayne, who's not here today, is just recovering from the flu, but uh, he sent me this scripture, and it was a perfect example of what I'm talking about. It's in Amos chapter 8, and it's in verse 11. And I don't know that Amos was, was necessarily prophesying about this time, but he's prophesying about a famine that was coming, and I believe we're getting ready to see the same thing. Uh, this is not a famine, I believe, that's coming to the church. I believe it's a famine that's coming to the world, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be talking about more about this uh, over the next few weeks. But listen to, to uh, Amos 8, verse 11. He says, The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land... Not a famine of food or thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Now that's an interesting famine, isn't it? But what I believe the Lord is showing me is, I believe there is such a hunger in the world for God right now, and people are trying everything they can to get to God, but the problem is, is they're trying to get through to Him through their own way. Whatever, whatever backgrounds they have, whatever things they've been taught in the past, and there's a famine coming where they're not going to be able to find that word. They're, they're finding a certain amount of fulfillment right now through these different things that, are, that they're seeking God, but they're not seeking the true God because they're not seeking through Jesus. 
and there's a famine coming where this, this seeking of God, they're going to be looking for God, they're going to be trying to find His presence, and they're not going to be able to find it. And the only place it's going to be is in the body of Christ. And I believe we're supposed to be a storehouse, that we're supposed to begin to store up these things that God is preparing in our hearts so that when this famine really starts to strike, and I believe it's going to look like really hard times in our nation, okay, I, not just in our nation, but, but it's a famine that's coming. I don't believe we're in it right now, but I believe we're supposed, the Lord keeps telling me we're supposed to be preparing for this famine because the world is going to be coming for us to feed them. And we're going to be in a series. We're going to start a series this week out of Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis uh, 39 today. Genesis is easy to find. It's the first chapter in the Bible. First book of the Bible, anyway. Verse 30, or chapter 39. This is the story of Joseph. How many of you know the story of Joseph? Remember? Okay. He was a, a young man. He was, I think he had 11 brothers, if I'm not mistaken, had a bunch of them anyway, um, and he was the last, and he was his dad's favorite, kind of like I was my dad's favorite. <laughs> we're, all, we're all our daddy's favorite, aren't we? <laughs> but he had a dream. He actually had two dreams, and we're going to talk about dreams and visions next week, actually, and so we're going to be in, in chapter 40 next week, so if you want to read ahead, you can kind of get an idea of that, but he has a vision and a dream from God, that's, and what he does is he's a young man, he's 17 years old, and he's got all these brothers, and in this vision, he sees all his brothers bowing down to him through some different things. And so he's a young man, he's not necessarily the wisest guy on earth at that point, like many of us at 17 years old, um, and he decides he needs to share this vision with his brothers, and they don't think it's all that cool a deal, because he's, he's kind of arrogantly telling me, you're going to bow down to me. And so uh, they didn't think that was such a great idea. So remember what they do? They decide to kill him. So they take him off and they throw him in a pit. And then fortunately, I think it's his oldest brother decides, hey, you know what? Instead of killing him, having his blood on his hands, why don't we just sell him as a slave? We'll make some money on the deal and he'll be, he'll be, we'll be rid of him and we don't have to worry about it. So that's where we're going to pick up the story this morning is in Genesis um, 39, and I'm going to kind of read this story to you. I realize that I'm, I'm kind of going in a different direction. I, I read that scripture over you this morning. I wanted to read Psalm 27 and, and John 1. I'm going to do that each week. I'm going to read some kind of encouraging scripture over your life. We need to be, learn to let that word come in and wash us and encourage us and renew our minds, okay? So there's a little bit of connection, but not a whole lot. So if you're trying to figure out where I was going, just don't bother. <laughs> it's going to be good though, okay? Listen to this. It's going to be good because it's God's word. All right, so we have this picture of Joseph. Joseph is now in captivity. Verse 1 says that Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So we got the picture. Here's Potiphar. He is, um, he's a high-ranking official in Pharaoh's kingdom. He's the captain of the guard, and he buys Joseph. Okay, and so at this point, Joseph, remember Joseph had these dreams, right? 
How many of you have ever had a dream or a vision from the Lord or a promise from God where someone prophesied and said, hey, this is coming down the road for you and you haven't seen it? Many of us, right? I mean, many of us. Uh, you know, this is years. Joseph was 17. I don't know how long it takes before Joseph actually sees this vision take place in his life. I'm, I'm sure it'll tell us in there. But don't let go of the call and the, and the promises God has given you just because they haven't happened yet. Okay? Because God is going to take you, and there's, who knows what that journey is going to look like, but he has always got a plan for you. And Romans 8 says, I will turn it for good. Yeah. And so Joseph, I imagine he's kind of looking at where he's at right now, thinking, what happened, God? But we're going to find out in this, in this story that Joseph's heart is pure. Okay? He is plugged into God. What is our foundational this year? It's going to be to return to our first love, right? Yeah. And Joseph is learning how he can trust God through this whole story. So we pick it up, verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. He entrusted him to his care everything that he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in his field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. I'd call that favor. <laughs> okay. Notice Potiphar had a job, right? I mean, he's the captain of the guard, but he has a huge household, too. He's, he's wealthy, and he, he has trusted Joseph to a place that he has turned everything that he has over to him. I want to talk for a minute about something that's, that I believe is a lesson in this, this little set of verses that I just read to you. See, every one of you that's in Christ Jesus, each one of you that has accepted that relationship with Jesus has been born again. His spirit has moved into you. We carry his presence everywhere we go. Amen? Everybody agree with that? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's because he lives inside of us. That's why he's not going to leave us. And so the challenge, I believe, is that we're supposed to, when we're really operating out of a first love for God, and our hearts are really in tune to him, I believe that everywhere we go, we're supposed to be taking the blessings of God with us. Amen. When you go to work, whatever business you have, whatever, wherever you go, I believe we're supposed to be taking the blessings of the Lord with us so that the people of the world see that and they say, there's something different about this guy. There's something different. Our, the atmosphere has changed. Um, you know, we started the ski area, several of us here that, that work at the ski area, uh, 30, 40 years ago, and um, the atmosphere has changed because of the believers that God has brought in, and we've been there a long time, we prayed, and we've allowed the presence of God to be released, and it's a different atmosphere, and the leadership recognizes that, okay, and they're drawn to God, they're not drawn to us, they're drawn to God because it's His presence, 
and I believe that every time we walk in a store, every time we show up to work, every time we go to a ministry, whatever it is, we should believe that the people around us are going to see the favor of God on our lives, and they're going to be drawn to the Lord. That's what our call is, right? It's to go out and do what? Make disciples of the nations. How do we make disciples? Not in our strength, not in our power, but it's by His might, says the Lord. We read that this morning. And so when we go into a place, and I've talked to several of you about this, when we go in, we start taking control of the atmosphere. We start praying, releasing the presence of God, speaking blessings into that place. If we show up and, and all we're doing is complaining and griping about our job, we're not going to release blessings. we gotta, we got to walk in there and we got to humble ourselves and we have to be willing to allow the Lord to use us. Joseph is a slave. And all of a sudden, he's now in charge of everything in Potiphar's house. Potiphar goes, I don't worry about anything except my food. That's what we have, the same God that lived in him. And he didn't even live in Joseph at that point, by the way. He actually lives in us. And he just wants to get out. And we do it in love, right? We don't do it because of responsibility or, you know, to prove that we, we do it because we love people and we want to see them have the same things that we have. Amen? Amen? Yeah. All right. So, as usual, things are running along good and all of a sudden something gets thrown into the works, huh? Here we go. The, about halfway through verse 6. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Hey, come to bed with me. But he refused. Now listen to this response, because this is going to show Joseph's heart, okay? With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. So if you would just read that part of it, you would think Joseph goes, I got a good thing and I'm not going to mess it up. This master trusts me. And that would be right. But that's not Joseph's heart. Listen to the next verse. I got to find it first. There we are. It's in the middle of verse 9, by the way, if you're lost like I am. My master's withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my God? Where's his first love? Is he worried about him? Yeah, he probably is. We should all be concerned about our lives and, and take care of ourselves. But he's concerned about loving God and keeping that relationship. And he realizes it's probably going to cost him. And it did. And I believe the American church right now, we, we're afraid that it might cost us. But the fear is unwarranted because God says it doesn't matter what comes into your life. I'm going to walk through this with you. I'm going to get glory for this and I'm going I'm to see that you come out of this better than you went into it. And we got to believe that. we got to be, start believing those things. That's his promise for us. He goes on and he says, um, verse 10, And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day 
when he went into the house to attend to his duties, and no one, uh, none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come on, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak, and he stood there like a mighty man of God and said, I will not come into temptation. No, he turned around and he ran. Actually, James tells us the same thing. He says, when the devil comes and tries to tempt you, just run. Flee from him. You don't have to stand there and try to make a stand. You just say, I'm not going to, I'm going to leave temptation. My flesh, I can't trust it. If when temptation comes, if I give it any attention, man, I'm in trouble. The best thing we can do is say, temptation, I'm going, here's my heart is after God, I'm out of here. He leaves his coat and he runs off. When she saw that he left his coat in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servant and said, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his coat beside me and ran out of the house. So there's the lie. There's the accusation. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Now she gets to go after the husband. Then she told him this story. The Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When the master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Notice this story does not mention Joseph even trying to defend himself. You know the Bible says that we should let God defend us. That's what it says, and I guarantee he's a lot better at it than we are. Is that right? We let God defend us when people begin to accuse us. We know in our hearts that we're right. We know we're right with God, and we let him defend us. And I guarantee it will come out better every time. But even if it doesn't, remember Daniel, even, even if it doesn't, we're not going to bow down. Jesus went to the cross. He never defended himself. There's, some, there's a pattern here. We've got to start learning to trust God to the point where we don't have to defend ourselves. You know, when the enemy accuses me of things, I go, yeah, you're probably right, but you know what, Jesus, that's what you say about me. <laughs> I don't have to argue with him. Okay, I don't need to waste my time doing that. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. That's spiritual warfare, by the way. So, what do you think Joseph thinks? He's back in jail again. First he's a slave, now he's in prison. But you know what? He had a promise from God that he hung on to and he didn't let go. So while Joseph, this is, I'm doing well here today. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Well, that's quite a story, huh? Didn't turn out the way Joseph thought it was going to work out. But somehow, everywhere he goes, the presence of God is all around him and he all of a sudden starts having favor. See, sometimes I know friends that I have 
that have an attitude that nothing's ever going to work out right in my life, never has, never going to. And they're probably right. If that's what we believe, then I believe that's, that can happen in our lives. They declare those things. But you know what? That's not what the Bible says about you. The Bible says we're supposed to be successful. We're supposed to be a blessing to others. And I believe today, I told you that I believe we've got this famine that's coming. And we're going to read as we go through this, this story, we're going to read that, that um, God is going to use Joseph later on uh, to Pharaoh himself to build storehouses and to feed the hungry, to, to feed the world. Actually, that, what they believed was the world at that time came to him because Joseph's wisdom and he was willing to store things up. So today, what would a storehouse look like if the famine is going to be a spiritual famine? What, what should we be storing up? I've been asking the Lord that. I've been going, what does this look like? I'm not really sure all of it, but I know this, that part of that storehouse is we, we are in a season of harvest right now. Okay, I'm telling you, we are. If you're visiting, you may not know what that means, but we are in a season of harvest and we are in a season of planting. We're supposed to be planting new seeds, but we're supposed to be harvesting right now souls. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be harvesting, and that harvest looks like people being healed. That looks like people being set free. That looks like people being saved. That looks like people being delivered. That looks like God's blessing being poured out on His people and as he does that, it's storing it up. We're, if we're in a season of harvest and we're not, we're not reaching and we're not harvesting those things, what are we going to store up? We have nothing to store. But if, you begin, if we all begin to change our, our perspective and start looking for the harvest, because I'm telling you, it's all around you. Week after week after week now, I'm seeing God do miraculous things all around me. And it didn't have a thing to do with me. I'm just, he's opening my eyes to see them. And all of a sudden, doors are opening and I'm seeing people's lives changed. And I didn't have anything to do with it. It was the power of God. Amen. And he's no respecter person. He's not going to just do it for me. He's not just going to do it for Art. He's not going to just do it for Bert. He's not going to just do it for, for Ricky. It's all of us. If we start looking and start believing it, and the next time someone talks about, man, you know, my back is killing me. You go, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. How about saying, hey, you know what? I got a God that says you can be healed because of him. You know, how about my finances are horrible right now. We're in a season. We're just in this. How about if we stop and pray how about this weather? What are we going to do? You know, that's a huge conversation right now, huh? You know, we have the power to break we can break droughts through the power of Jesus. Elijah did it, right? And so I think today is a day that we're supposed to try to exercise some of that. I believe today is one of those days that we're supposed to start praying for people. I had a weird word from the Lord today, or actually uh, two days ago. <laughs> and so it was about smokers. 
And, and I, I was, in fact, we were at, there's a new bowling alley in Taos, by the way, and it's really cool. If you haven't been down there, go bowling. It's a lot of fun. Don't go Friday night without reservations. <laughs> Pretty crowded. <laughs> but I walked out, and there was a guy just standing there smoking a cigarette. It wasn't a big deal, you know? And the Lord told me, he said, there's a bunch of people out there that want to be free from that, and they don't have the power to do it, or they don't realize they have the power to do it. I think we're supposed to pray for smokers today of all things. I don't, you know, smoking, it's not like some horrible thing sending you to hell, but it does, it is killing you, <laughs> by the way. And it's not about condemnation or guilt or shame, but, but in a minute I'm going to have a bunch of these intercessors come up here, and I, there's going to be a group of intercessors over here somewhere, and they're going to pray for people that want to be set free from smoking. So if you're one of those people and it's all of a sudden your stomach's starting to turn because I just said that, then you're probably one of those that wants to come up here and get set free. It doesn't have anything to do with me. But it's just one of those hindrances that we don't need. It's just like alcohol or drugs or pornography or overeating or whatever it is. We need to be set free from these things because they're holding us back and they're not, not allowing us to release all that God has for us, okay? And so I want to... I want to ask if you would agree together with me on something. Um, I think I'm supposed to pray for Ted Calhoun today. I believe I'm supposed to call forth healing in your body. So I'm just going to do that right now if that's okay. So you guys just point your hands towards him. Let's just agree together. Father, I just speak in the name of Jesus Christ as we bring Ted to your throne of grace. And God, I know that by your stripes you healed him. I know that you accomplished that. And Lord, I know he's been going through a lot of testing, a lot of medical stuff, and we thank you for the, the wisdom of the medical world. But Lord, I'm believing this morning that we're supposed to break a curse of in, a spirit of infirmity over his body. I believe he's supposed to be walking out of here whole and healed as we give you glory for that. So we just agree together right now in the name of Jesus that Ted's body is healed. We speak to his, um, his throat and his... his uh, Thorax, I can't, I'm not thinking of all the things that's going on, but you know the area right there that's not operating according to your will. And we just declare in Jesus' name that it will, his body will now come under the authority of God's word, that he is healed and he is free, and this will not be a hindrance anymore in Jesus' name. How many of you agree with that? Okay, so we just got to agree together. We got to start agreeing together. We start, we love each, we're family, right? We're the family of God. We're supposed to start coming together as brothers and sisters. I believe that Ed Yeager is supposed to get out of that bed today. In Jesus' name, I pray for Ed. I speak, I break this curse of death off of him. I believe you've got three more years for him. I'm calling that forth in Jesus' name. I believe that he's supposed to walk, to live and not to die right now because he's not through testifying about you. He's not through loving you. So I pray for Anna Lee and we just speak healing and peace in their home right now. In Jesus' name.